0: This is the Subscription Rockstars Podcast, brought to you by Subly, the number one subscription e-commerce platform. This podcast is where entrepreneurs, marketers, and business owners learn tactics to grow their subscription
1: revenue. With your host, Stefan Pretty. Hey everybody, this is Stefan from Subly, the subscription e-commerce platform. I am at Sub Summit 2019 in New Orleans. This is day number three and I'm currently sitting next to a very impressive man. His name is Taylor Offer and he is from Feet Socks. Taylor Offer is a a Forbes 30 under 30 alumni. He is the founder of Feet Socks and Taylor Parker Agency. He leveraged influencer marketing and viral campaigns to sell millions of dollars of socks and hoodies online. He's worked with major celebrities and influencers like Logan Paul the Chainsmokers and Ali Raisman so that's pretty awesome congratulations on that thank you uh, okay so Taylor um, at the end of this podcast I'm going to do this quick fire round where I'm going to oh. ask like a bunch of questions and you just give like uh, simple one word answers yep um, and then you can add additional context if you if you feel the need to so First of all, I want to ask, what is Feet, feet Socks? And uh, also, second, secondly, what is the Taylor Parker Agency? Cool. And fast forward, maybe if it gets too boring, just tell me to move sure. on.
0: I'll, but, uh, I'll, I'll kick you under the table. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so Feet Socks is a sock company I started uh, my first day of senior year in college. Okay. Um, and we were just selling socks in our backpack, having no idea what we were doing. Um, Try getting into retail. This is 2014. Got into 500 stores. We're super hyped about that. We're like, retail's awesome. Who cares? Who nobody buys stuff online. This is 2014. We mm-hmm. were so dumb. Um, the day after graduation, pretty much, raised a million dollars from an investor, and we're like, cool, let's scale this business. And around this time, I got really, really hyped on influencer marketing. Okay. 2014, 2015. This is before influencer was a word. Before anyone knew about influencer marketing. Before anyone had these like brand deals. Um, um, so I just started DMing people on Instagram. I DM like ten thousand people. Okay. Every single person on Instagram with over a million followers has a DM in their inbox from me saying, okay. "Please, can I send you a pair of socks? If you like them, maybe we could work together." Mm-hmm. Nobody responded um, <laughs> out of 10,000 DMs. We got like maybe one or two responses. Um, but I kept following all those people. I was like, I have to work with these people some way. Um, and then I learned all these people who just got famous from this app called Vine. Mm, so like, I remember Vine, Logan, Paul, Jake, Paul, Amanda Cerny, King Botch, Lele Pons, All these people, huge followings. I learned they all lived. I was just like watching all their content and I was like, oh, they all have like the same doorknob and they all have the same pool in the background. And they all live in the same apartment building. Right. And I was like, I have to go check this out and see if this is true. I fly to LA, sneak into the building, realize they all live in this building, no see way. them all there. And we were, we were in Boston at the time. I called my co-founder. I was like, we're moving across the country. We're getting rid of all of our employees. All that matters is if we move to LA and work with these influencers, cause this is the next wave. Mm-hmm. And this is 2014. He's like, you're crazy. And I was like, I don't care. We're doing this. Yep. So a week later, we move in the building um, and we start working with these influencers <laughs> and we have people like Logan Paul with one post. Uh, He drove over a million unique visitors to our site, 20,000 new customers, and did almost half a million dollars in sales. Um, And that was in what time frame again? That was in one day he did that. Wow. (laughs) With one post on YouTube, pretty much. So we got really hooked on influencer marketing, then, then learned direct to consumer because we we drove a million people to our site, but we had no Facebook pixel set up, no email flow set up. <laughs> we were using the Shopify standard abandoned cart email. Yeah. And that's how I got connected to uh, this guy, Jake from Movement Watches, a huge watch company. Um, Familiar. Yeah, And he was kind of telling us, he's like, guys, how do you drive all this unique traffic? This That's awesome. But like, you got to set up more of your shit, like get your stuff together, guys. <laughs> you wasted a lot of this traffic. He kind of took us under his wing and kind of showed. Does the ropes and how direct-to-consumer works um, so like we learn a lot from him some serious yeah, mentorship. Yeah, exactly yeah. it's like l- learning how to shoot a basketball from Steph Curry yeah, yeah it, it was awesome that is And know we really got cool. really deep into direct consumer learning digital acquisition um, got really good at it and then that's how we started Taylor Parker agency it's myself and my co-founder because okay. um, we scaled the company we had 20 employees and we realized we could outsource and automate everything with the distributed team mm-hmm. so we went from 20 employees in a 5,000 square-foot office Warehouse to zero employees, fully distributed team, uh, super lean, super efficient, super profitable business model, and now we do a lot of consulting to help people with direct consumer stuff, uh, influencer stuff, and then leaning and making a lean and efficient business.
1: Nice, nice. That's a really good synopsis of the whole whole story, which is awesome. So I appreciate Great. you sharing that. What's uh, is there any key uh, or, or vanity metrics that you can share comfortably here? Uh,
0: vanity metrics. Let's see, a couple hundred thousand customers. Um, Millions of dollars in sales. Uh, and all of this with zero,
1: basically zero employees. Yeah. That's just um,
0: madness. Yeah. That's hundreds madness. of thousands of followers on social. Yeah. And a fully outsourced distributed team where myself and my co founder pretty much work less than 10 hours a week just to oversee everything. Um, but we're pretty much out of the weeds of a
1: business that's. Um, Multi million dollar, very profitable e commerce business. Nice, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, okay, so some of these are going to be quite unique, but it's mostly to, kind of to, to get behind you as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a founder. Yep. What's your superpower? Superpower is thinking outside the box. So okay. I was always the kid that couldn't pay attention in class. No, no pun intended, being a <laughs> sub
0: <laughs> Yeah, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but my superpower is like literally having ADD and getting bored really quickly. OK, and having I'll, keep to, the, I'll keep the podcast brief. <laughs> <fun>. Exactly. <laughs> having to find alternative ways to get things done ever since I was a kid, and not being able to like pay attention in school and figuring out alternative
1: ways to make things happen and be creative. Nice, that's a good superpower. And what's the toughest situation in your business that you've experienced to date? One that jumps to your mind. Whew, there's so many
0: of them. <laughs> Major one is when we were starting off, we were 22 years old. Okay. We got a million dollars in funding. Uh, we were doing millions of dollars. Was that pre-sales? Uh, we had a little bit of sales. Okay. Um, like a, I think maybe we were doing like a million dollars a year in sales. We got mm-hmm. a million in funding. So we had all this money in the bank. We were 22. We had no idea what we were doing. We hired all of our friends,
1: <laughs> which is <laughs> the dumbest thing <laughs> I could do. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> yeah. Scale the team to like 20
0: people. And when I talk about 20 employees, 20 entry level employees who are within, within six months out of all just graduated college oh, wow. with no applicable skills, <laughs> <laughs> that was a shit show and 22 year olds uh, managing them who had no management experience, no idea how to do anything.
1: Yeah. yeah. Not even lifted a book to read about it either. I'm yeah. Guessing. Of
0: course not. <laughs> <laughs> you think I could read like a book? The ADD was like, eh, exactly. Nope. <laughs> so it was, it was great when it was good. Yeah. Um, and then when it wasn't as good and the second we had like a, not a great month and we didn't have enough over uh, we didn't oversee them enough and some of our best friends like were stealing from us and we had to fire oh, yeah. and difficult situations and then getting taken to the labor board for all this other oh, bullshit shit. it was just things got bad fast and we learned we have to grow up and we can't just be like oh we're kids we're having yeah, fun in yeah, business yeah. it's like uh, we're a real company and uh, we have to do things the right
1: way Yeah. how old are you now? I'm 26 wow cool awesome um, if you were starting over what would you do differently? <laughs>
0: Starting over, I would not focus on top line. I'd focus on logistics. Okay. So what we we were just so hooked on top line revenue mm-hmm. and just maybe, growth, 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 growth because we were funded and we're like we didn't yeah. feel the bottom line. We're like just everything for growth, 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 yeah. growth. Um, and with that, we were able to push very high top line lo- revenue. And we had days or months we'd put up like half a million or million dollar months, um, and do really well at that acquiring all new customers. And we wouldn't fulfill the product for three weeks or mm-hmm. four weeks, and then people would write in, and then our customer service wasn't there. So so we didn't build the system correctly, and we were pouring people in, pouring people in, and we didn't realize how much negative it was. If you don't have a product that fulfills on time, that's mm-hmm. good, and good support and customer service, how much everything else in the funnel matters. It's not just about top line sales.
1: Nice, nice. Um, and looking back, what what is like your proudest moment? Proudest moment is, uh, I, everybody pauses before that. Yeah. So they just have to really think about it.
0: Um, a couple of big ones. When I got Forbes 30 and 30. That just felt good for some validation from the outside world. Yeah. Um, and I was really proud about that for like two days. And then I realized <laughs> nothing, <laughs> I realized nothing changed and no one cared after two days. Yep. I posted on Facebook and Instagram, all the congratulations and stuff. And then two days later, like, like all right. nobody cared again. And I was yeah. like, great. I worked so hard for this and no one cares. anymore. <laughs> um, well we launched with Logan and like that kind of justified the influencer thing and like mm-hmm. just seeing those sales trickle in instantly was awesome and to see the traffic and be like, wow, this influencer thing actually works. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: so those are some of the proudest moments. So was this all at the beginning of when like the influencer thing was like just getting started?
0: Yeah, it, it was before like top. Yeah, before influencers award. <laughs> yeah. It was just the wild, wild west. And we did I mean we worked with every influencer under the sun. We worked with every musician, athlete, celebrity. We were working with everyone. Um And the crazy thing is, a lot of these people wanted crazy amounts up front because nobody knew what their rate card was for a post or anything. It was probably very
1: unorganized, like a wild west. Completely. It was like
0: you DM them and they DM you a number and it was just completely made up because that's what their friend got. What a shit show. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then I was like, I can't pay anyone up front because I don't trust any of you guys. Yeah, of Um, course. So I structured back end profits but deals with everyone. So we've never paid an influencer or celebrity a dollar up front. Nice. Um, Like
1: JVs, like joint joint ventures, like partnerships.
0: Exactly. And it's all back end profits but so if they sell, they get paid. If they don't, we don't and we've had, we've had the crazy thing is we have influencers that we've launched with with a couple million followers that would sell hundreds of thousands of dollars units and bring in tens of thousands of new customers. And then we have people with the same amount of following that would sell literally hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. and bring in like twenty new customers. And it's it's crazy how following doesn't equal influence and learning all about that.
1: What what does what does an equal influence
0: in your experience? A couple things. So like YouTubers do really well Mm -hmm. because think about if you're watching a YouTube video, you're watching 15 minutes of content and you're opting in whereas if you're watching someone on Instagram, you're looking at them for two seconds and then scrolling past them. So you're more interested and they take up more time in your head as a YouTuber. You're more um, engaged with them. And then also we've learned um, there's a huge difference between like people who make funny videos on the internet who you don't look up to for style or advice you just look at them to laugh mm-hmm. versus people who you actually are aspirational who you want to dress like and be like and want to take their advice Okay. and especially we learned too <laughs> we've done so many campaigns with um, a lot of these uh, Instagram model girls yep Um <laughs> Who have huge followings and you think they'll convert well. Yeah. And a lot of their, um, you can see their pictures, a lot of them with bikini shots and other things, huge followings, and they'll launch something with you and they won't sell anything.
1: Yeah, not a single thing. About <laughs> not it, yeah. like we, we've
0: had some like, girls with like five, 10, 15 million followers literally sell like 10 units. Just like
1: thirsty guys. On yeah.
0: So you look at their demographics after and it's 95% males following of them. Of course. Yeah. And they're all in India and Indonesia <laughs> and all wow. over these random places. And it's like, oh, yeah. Obviously, your girly sock didn't sell because yeah. it got served to a bunch of horny dudes overseas, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs>
1: that's, that's funny. Um, now, you said your, your team is like literally just you guys uh, and you're, you're at scale, which is really impressive. Yep. Um, for the agency side of things, uh, do you have a team there in place or are you just doing consulting directly? Yeah, so I had such a bad experience with employees,
0: um, obviously, can, yeah, hiring my yeah. friends and stuff. So I, I'd never want to have an employee again, so it's all contractors, wow. it's all outsourced. And I've realized just distributed teams and contractors yeah. um, are so much better. Yeah. And in-house an employee is so expensive, mm-hmm. especially when you talk about an employee's salary and, and the the benefits you have well. to give them. And it, there's so much responsibility on that and it's so hard to let go of them. And as your business goes up and down, you have you're committed to them. Yeah. Uh, whereas all these flex workers and all these contractors and a lot of them overseas, a lot of them all over the U. S. too, it's so easy to scale with them and scale up and down. So yep. for example, like, well, just like a good example, it's like November, December, we could put up million dollar months easily, and then January way slower. Yeah. And then in January we get our credit card bill from Facebook for December, <laughs> and, and we're like, damn, we have no cash. <laughs> yeah. And we don't have sales, but yeah. it's when everything's a percent of sales, um, you could take down your team. Whereas like before we had 75 K a month in overhead. Wow. So whether we did a million dollars a month or $200,000 a month, we had 75 K of overhead. Yeah. Whereas regardless. now it's all proportional to your over to your revenue. Um, so you don't have to have this huge burden of overhead.
1: What's the, what's the one thing that you look for when you're actually looking for con- contractors, like, is there specific um, traits or qualities, or is there a vetting process that you put them through?
0: Yeah, it's a vetting process, and it definitely takes time. Yeah. Um, and once you find your winners, they're awesome. Like, hold on to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's really, I mean, I've had a lot of good experience with, I mean, just for example, for our business. So when we had all those employees, I had like three content people in-house who were making content. And they are all ranging between sixty dollars and $100,000 a year. And like now I have outsourced contractors who do our content whenever I need them for a photo shoot. And we pay locally. Locally and globally. Okay. And it's, it's awesome because yeah. the world is so connected. Yeah. Um, and it, we pay a fraction of the price. Same thing like I had people doing customer service at 50 grand a year. Now I have a guy in the Philippines at four bucks an hour and he's so awesome and so thankful for the work. And I can get 10 guys that he could scale and train if I need that. Mm-hmm. Or I could... Pay him for five hours a week if I need that. And it's all flats. And it's just such a
1: better business model if you're talking about profitability. That's awesome. Talk to me about the retail thing for a minute because I really want to learn more about that. We spoke about this yesterday as well. Um, well you said that you didn't believe in the internet at first is yeah. that what you're saying Yeah, that's really ironic
0: well it was 2014 it was before a lot of people knew about e-commerce and at least mm. for us like at the time the company we looked up to was a company called Stance okay. socks S-T-N-C-E they're huge they've raised 100 million and they were just getting it every single store and it was retail 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 <laughs> um, and all of our investors and advisors and all the people we looked up to they're like you gotta get into Nordstroms and all these stores and <laughs> yeah. nobody's looking at the internet yeah. and it's it's crazy to say now yeah, but yeah. surprise but, <laughs> and it's such quick how five years have changed everything yeah. but yeah we went after retail stores and um, we picked up all these accounts and like mom and pop surf shops skate shops whatever and it was great because we're like oh cool we got an account they're going to pay $500 for socks but they need terms and it's 30 day terms mm. and you have to call and collect and then 30 days later you're calling you're like hey where's the money and they're like oh the, the owner's on end they will be in next Tuesday after two it's Good like, old oh, traditional great. let businesses. me keep calling and it's just like the biggest pain ever to collect the money yeah. and then I remember so much our biggest goal was to get into Nordstrom and like we're like we gotta get into Nordstrom once we crack Nordstrom like we're set because that's how we heard about brands being built in the past Um, Mm -hmm. and that was the way to do it and within a year us 22 year olds like we got a purchase order from Nordstrom which is wild they're such an old school thing of doing old school way of doing stuff we were so pumped and we got that purchase order from them like we flew to Seattle so many times to meet with them all the stuff and the purchase order was like for $7,000 of socks (laughs) (laughs) we were like what the heck and they're like look at we're gonna test. They said we're gonna test you in 10 stores for the first 18 months, and if it does well, we'll put you in 50 stores in the next 18 months. Oh, and wow. if it does well, we'll do a full rollout in like uh, 36 months. And I'm like, 36 months? That's so That's long. That's so like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't have the patience for that. And we said no to the PL, and we're like, okay, this. That. That.
1: that was your dream, and then you were like, eh, no. and I don't <laughs> want it at all. But it's crazy because,
0: and it just shows you like the retailers are so cautious, and they had all these buyback clauses and all this other stuff, and it's like you don't get paid there's all these terms and it's like it's such an outdated system and then you have e-commerce where you could do so much money so instantly mm-hmm. um,
1: and it was just like whoa this is so much better awesome what's uh, so you were talking about the influencer thing is there are there any other main like initial growth drivers that were critical uh, for the uh, feet socks yeah so influencers are huge and then
0: when we learned how to do direct to consumer Facebook Instagram digital acquisition mm-hmm. and so like paid ads like the full targeting set up on exactly, yep. exactly, and we learned from Jake from Movement who's. Like literally learning to shoot a basketball from Steph Curry. Yeah, was, that's that's insane. Honestly, yeah. like I had no idea about that. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And and he's he was an awesome mentor, and we like we met so many other people who like him are just titans in the industry. Yeah. So we learned that pretty well. Um, and and, you were doing this yourself in house. So we started using every agency. So we used okay. the agency that like they used, and this one guy, and he was charging us fifteen percent of ad spend. That's, in the fir- that's quite high. First month he spends two hundred grand. Oh my <laughs> days. At like one point <laughs> five raws very unprofitably, and he's like. No, 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 trust me. This is how it's supposed to go. The and we write him a check for 30 grand. And then like a month later, I'm like, oh my God, I got scammed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all have to go through it.
0: Yeah. And then we started doing it on our own and we started outperforming him. And then like probably six months later, we had these other friends in the e-commerce company that were pushing really, really good revenue, like tens of millions. So we, we use their person. We're like, okay, cool. Let's give them their person a shot. We give their person a shot for like two months. And then after two months, we're like, we're better than you at this. What the hell? So we fired them and then we're doing it on our own for the next six months and then there's another friend with another genius Facebook guru guy and we're like cool last time we'll give this person a shot and we outperformed him too after a month <laughs> so we're like cool You're just learning from these people we're like, learning from these people evolving. and then you realize like the old days of Facebook where it took a an operator to be pulling the levers and targeting are dead mm-hmm. that was five years ago now Facebook's algorithm is so smart and um, open targeting so good you could really do open targeting they're going to find you the best person Yep. So you actually don't need someone behind the scenes pulling the levers. That doesn't matter. That doesn't win Facebook and digital acquisition. What wins is a cohesive uh, value props, creative, content, and copy. But it has to be something, A, your product market fit has to be there. B, you have to have the margin to be able to advertise. And then three, you need to have a compelling enough, you have to have your ad and your creative to be compelling enough to stop and get someone's attention and convey those value pops really quickly mm-hmm. and then get them to convert. And that's how you win now. Um, and so we just got super
1: creative that with was of course, that you just gave, by the way. Like there you, you can, go. That's a thousand bucks, by the way, guys. <laughs> yeah, Venmo Mummy Taylor, cash offer, a thousand dollars. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> uh, were there any like critical realizations that you had for achieving scale?
0: Um, so one critical realization is you can't put the horse before the carriage, or the carriage before the horse, whatever that analogy is. Mm-hmm. like You can't try to get your scale. Everyone is so hungry for scale, at least with the people in my uh, network, uh, e-commerce people. like Everyone wants to push that top line revenue. It's such a flex, it's such a pissing contest. Everyone wants to get that top line revenue, but people don't have their operations and their systems set up to scale. Mm-hmm. So before you actually put the gas onto the pedal, you have to make sure your system's set up and it won't fall apart because there's nothing worse, and we did this, than scaling super fast than having your operations fail, mm-hmm. and having your cost, customer service not being built to scale, mm-hmm. and having not all these systems built to scale because then you're paying for acquisition and then you're actually acquiring these customers and losing them. Not only are you losing them, you're getting them and putting a bad taste in their mouth. So now yep. you're not gonna there's win like the back a backlash as well, yeah. Exactly, so before you really scale, you have to make sure you have your system set up to scale. And it's so hard because every entrepreneur wants to go as fast as of possible. Course
1: but it's just take a deep breath make sure everything is built up to scale yeah a little bit of planning and preparation can go a, a long way of course so internally when you're when you're running your business day to day what are like the, the key indicators of success like what are the metrics that you're measuring on a day to day basis
0: yeah the biggest one for us is ROA's return and ad spend. Okay. So like how much should we spend across all platforms whether it's influencer, affiliate, Facebook and what is our top line revenue? Okay. So to make sure we understand that and make sure that's in a healthy place. Um, for a subscription obviously make sure we're not churning. Yeah. Um, seeing the new subscribers we're adding. Um, and it's really just yeah advertising spend to revenue. That's by far the biggest.
1: Okay. Cool. And uh, in terms of churn because you just mentioned it is there anything that you do specifically to combat churn? Yeah.
0: So we try to be super funny and engaging with every package no matter what so it's always an experience it's always fun it's bright packaging it's okay. fun uh, we'll send little notes in the packages sometimes we'll send an extra free pair of socks just, nice. just, hey, just like on the ra- house like a yeah. little random and they're gift. just like oh cool I got a free pair of socks or a hat or nice. something random um, and people love that. It keeps them hooked. And then I'll do things. We're really active on Instagram. We have a couple hundred thousand followers across our platforms. Um, and I'll do things like, hey, we're sending out our boxes this month. And I'll be in the warehouse and I'll be wearing my AirPods. i am be like, oh, I'm taking this off and throwing this in a random box. Oh, that's dope. One random person's getting AirPods. That's really cool. Um, and then people just get so hyped about that. So it's just like keeping it fun and engaging. Um, because I think people leave subscription when it starts feeling stale. Like you're like, oh, I get, I'm sick of yeah. this. I don't yeah. need this anymore. So as long as you always keep
1: it fun and engaging, uh, you can really decrease churn. Nice that's awesome and um, internally uh, what's your current focus for Feet Socks or is your focus more on the agency side right now
0: focus is more on agency right now for Feet Socks it's really it's like build this system and just make sure it doesn't break like we've built the system we spent our years and millions of dollars and millions of mistakes um, to build this system Mm -hmm. that's efficient and set to scale so we got that now it's just make sure everything's smooth and put out any fires that come up but there aren't too many Um, and then it's really just picking up more agency clients and scaling the agency. What's your ideal type of client for the agency? Ideal client is um, you know, there's a couple different people you can work with. So anyone that wants to get into social mm-hmm. and work with influencers, like we know everything about that. Um, yep. And then also businesses that want to try to be profitable and like figure out how to distribute their team mm-hmm. and really cut their bottom line. I mean, increase their bottom line because there's so many businesses out there who have this crazy top line revenue, but end of the month there's no profit. Right. And they're like, where does all the money go? Yep. So going in there and helping people understand where their cash is going and how to be profitable restructure it yeah exactly and then third is just running digital acquisition Okay, so traditional uh, Facebook, Instagram viral campaigns and um, giving them the best return on ad spend okay cool is there like a dream brand that you'd like to work with not really a dream brand pretty open to working with anyone um, depending on if it makes sense
1: cool nice one so what's uh, your thoughts on the subscription industry and its future like uh, we're here at sub summit so you know talking about subscription are you feeling bullish for it and and positive or and or do you see changes taking place in the future
0: yeah so I'm bullish on subscription and especially if you talk to any investor or any acquire yeah every conversation we've had we've had some people want to acquire us and a bunch of people want to invest all they care about is like, what's your CAC? And what's your LTV? And what's your burn rate on these people <laughs> subscribing? That's it. They're yeah. like, oh, we don't even care about your super consumer side of business. because, And when they do, they're like, okay, what's your repeat customer race? But they're like, why can't you get everyone on a subscription? Everyone should be subscription. That's yeah. like all they care about. Because yeah. they want to make their financial models and be like, oh, CAC, less than LTV. Okay, good business. Invest. They like, want to yeah, make it, Like scale. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they want have to be that simple. Looking um, for that 10X. Yeah, but super bullish on subscription. Um, and I think... Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's, we're, it's Everything's trending and will continue to go. It makes sense for some products. I don't think every product could be forced into subscription. So if you're listening and you don't know if you have a subscription product, you could test into it. But I think the ones that um, do and you could get someone's subscription and you could you know, mitigate the churn, then you're in a really good spot. Nice. And uh, what's next for Feet Socks? For Feet Socks, continue to scale um, and continue just to... We kind of built the system to can continue to put gas in the car and just let it run, and then um, pop up other brands. So we have this whole distributed team where we could put. It doesn't matter if I'm selling socks or podcast microphones or hats or chairs. I have the system built up for e-commerce mm-hmm. and I can do every aspect of it. So it's pop up more brands underneath this. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Rinse and repeat, and then also understanding what we know about e-commerce and reverse engineering it for products at work. So it's like we like there's a certain formula. It's like you want to skin. Uh, you want a single skin because you don't want to have 200 SKUs of socks. That's we mm. really messed up. It's easier on the inventory logistics side. Yep. You want it lightweight and easy to ship because then your shipping cost is low. Like so you're looking you, for these really specific exactly. things. Exactly. You want yeah. something with a very high perceived value. You need something with an AOV over like $50, $60. Nice. Um, so it's like you kind of yep. reverse engineer all these data points to figure out like what is the best product. And you always come back to like watches or like jewelry because <laughs> like they're super small, super high perceived value, super high margin. Uh, yeah. But it's understanding the, um, the reverse engineering of it and understanding what products fit and what products work for e-commerce, what work for subscription, what work for a traditional direct consumer and then coming up with products within those uh, parameters.
1: Nice. Yeah. And uh, I think that that process always dictates the end result and and it always is going to end up as you said like landing in certain places. So that's good that you've got that framework in place. So if you were talking to a new start entrepreneur, what would you tell them? Like what would be the one piece of advice that you give them from your experience? Don't do it. come on we can't tell them that we have to give
0: them some real advice I would tell them don't do it and if they fight back and they say I'm still going to do it I'd be like okay cool you're meant to it i tell them don't do it and they say you're right I'm not going to do it I'm like cool you don't have what it takes I just saved you a lot of of time and effort Um, but I would definitely tell them to be comfortable growing slow Mm -hmm. and know that it's a long process and it sounds cliche but you have to trust the process and you have to trust it's going to take time I would tell them to make sure the first hire they should make should be someone that understands finance Mm-hmm. There's so many of these e-commerce and different companies popping up. They don't have that core financial understanding. If you don't have that, you just—I mean—you're literally just gambling. Right. Um, so understand your numbers. Get okay. someone that understands your numbers, um, and then ease into it. Make sure you have a high-quality product. Don't sell crap. There's so many of these people coming out that just like think the product doesn't matter. They can market it. Actually, have a high-quality product and product-market fit—a product that people want—and then
1: um, yeah, trust it. Trust the brand. Trust the process, and scale it. Nice. So before I jump into the quick fire round yep. where can people find you and the agency and Feet Socks
0: cool uh, my main Instagram is Taylor Parker T-A-Y-L-O-R P-A-R-K-E-R uh, that's our big page and then uh, my personal is Taylor Offer on Instagram uh, we're Feet Socks.com www.feetsocks.com Taylor T A Y L O R P A R K E R agency.com.
1: Yeah, feel free to reach out, send me an email, shoot me a DM. I'll probably respond fastest there. Cool. Nice one. I appreciate you sharing that. OK, so let's go into this quick fire round and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, so the first one is business cards or no business cards? <laughs> and uh, what do you think? I know the answer just say <laughs> no business cards ever
0: I don't even do email just most people it's Instagram talk on DM because yep. when you get an email it's like it's so awkward just in this weird follow up email hey great meeting at the conference it's all this oh, whatever whatever whereas like on Instagram you follow them on Instagram you see their story yep. oh yo like I've been to that place. That restaurant's awesome. Cool. By the way, we should chat sometime. It's so much more casual and friendly. um, And it's just a much smoother and
1: easier way to do things. There's some jump off points from the Instagram. That's quite interesting. I like that. So in terms of uh, communication and uh, you've given me the answer already, but SMS or email for communication, you're going to say DMS. Yeah. DMS (laughs) are
0: always better because even SMS, like you have to find a reason to text someone out of the blue. Instagram, it's so easy just to comment and engage and just people are posting stuff and just respond. People are posting stuff. They want to be responded to. Yep. And that's um, where they want to talk. Um, so I would do Instagram and if not uh, SMS.
1: That's, a, that's course number two. And that one's $500. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Same Venmo account.
1: Um, product first or marketing first?
0: Definitely product first. Uh, you have to understand that it's two pronged. You need product market fit. So you can't come up with a product that the market doesn't want. Mm-hmm. So you need product market fit. But if you have a good product, you will win over time. With marketing, you could do flash in the pan and you could do you know hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars quickly in sales, but if you don't have that recurring um, business, if you don't have a good product that people want to come back to, you won't win in the long run.
1: Yeah, totally. In it for the long run. Funded or unfunded?
0: Really depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get to market as quickly as possible... Uh, funding is really interesting because funding I mean you could have all this funding behind you and you can go speak at these conferences and spend all this money and learn mm-hmm. all this stuff you'll get a smaller piece of the pie but you'll get all this exposure and you learn all this stuff and for your first business I think funded because you can go through and almost learn on someone else's dime and really figure it out and then once you know what you're doing go unfunded
1: and keep the pie for yourself nice <laughs> um, act, uh, first class or economy <laughs> economy first class is stupid <laughs> active act vacation or a relaxing vacation uh, I like being active I like going out and doing stuff um, just because I get bored yeah I feel you on that one and then what's the one book that you'd recommend if any
0: one book I'd recommend there's a couple good ones I like Malcolm Gladwell he writes uh, Outliers is a really good book Okay. Um, talks about just like people being successful Hmm. But the best book I could recommend to anyone, which is like my Bible I read once a year, it's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie.
1: And he pretty much Scottish. is... He's Scottish. Oh, he's Scottish? I think so. Is he Dale Carnegie? I have the book. I'm <laughs> well, pretty sure he is. We got the huge crowd. Let's ask them. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> out there's got to know. Does anybody know? Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that one. It was written later. I'm going to Google it Yeah, it, right
0: it was now. written a while ago. But pretty much that book just teaches you how to treat people uh, with respect. And it's almost like a cheat code to life. It's like how to get people to like you. And did we look it up? Is he Scottish? No, he's, his name
1: is Scottish, but he, he's not born in Scotland. So American? Missouri, Missouri it looks like. Uh, nice. We'll yeah. take that one. Let's go, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> um, Never mind. I retreat that comment.
0: <laughs> but uh, that, that book is absolutely amazing because no matter what you're doing, whether it's business, whether it's personal life, uh, if you're likable, that's the best thing you do. And it just teaches you how to treat other people with respect um, and how to get people to like you. And no matter what you're
1: doing, that's the most in- important quality you could do. Nice. And the last but not least, what's the one thing that you cannot live without, apart from your phone? <laughs> um, <laughs> apart from my phone, or your laptop, phone or laptop. One thing I can't live without.
0: I don't know. I'm pretty low maintenance. I don't really need a lot of stuff besides my phone. Um, let's see.
1: I've had some interesting ones on this one.
0: Yeah. Let me take a second to think about that. I'm just drawing blanks. One thing I can't live without. My phone. That's all I have <laughs> gone on vacations. I've, like, I've gone on trips with literally just a backpack and my phone. And like I even like boarded flights with no bags and just my phone and phone charger. It's literally all on my
1: phone. I can do anything. Fair play. Listen, Taylor, that's the end of this podcast interview. Cool. I appreciate you. Thanks very much, man. Thank you for having me. All the best. And cool. uh, we'll connect soon. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you. Next time on Subscription Rockstars. It's
2: somewhat of an algorithm, mm-hmm. the same way that you would do for Match.com, but really for finding the right products for people. Nice. Um, And understanding high THC, low THC, high CBD, topicals, tinctures, flowers, all of these things that a lot of people don't even know exist. Mm -hmm. Through the permitting and legal process, Mm -hmm. which took us 13 months and we had to basically shelf our company for that entire time Mm -hmm. um, while not announcing that we're on pause. All of the press that we've gotten, like we've, we've had over 80 placements in the first year and a half. We've been in Forbes, LA Weekly, Pop wow. Sugar, Playboy. That um, is awesome. <laughs> we've done really You've been well. Busy. You've yeah. been really busy. <laughs> yeah. Word of mouth. I mean, good news travels quickly too.
1: <laughs> How do you deal with the stigma that comes with running a cannabis-based business?
2: Um, you deal with stigma by educating. Okay. I mean, it, it really comes down to that. You're, if you have, if you're armed with the facts, mm-hmm. you can pretty much uh, bust any myth.
0: and listening to the Subscription Rockstar's podcast brought to you by Subly, the number 1 subscription e-commerce platform. We appreciate you taking the time to engage with and listen to this podcast. Make sure you click subscribe to find out when the next Subscription Rockstar podcast episode is available. For now, keep rocking on.